Good morning, everyone. Welcome to those of you who are in the room here and those joining us online today. Last week, we started a new sermon series called The Game of Life. And this series is all about how God, the creator of all life, gave us a structure in which we are to grow healthy relationships with him and with each other, the rules of the game of life. And he gave us these guidelines for creating a trustworthy world, summarized in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, represented again in Deuteronomy 5, and then boiled down even more succinctly by Jesus in Matthew 22 into just two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you forget all the details of all the rest of those rules, Jesus is saying, remember those two things, and you'll have the heart of the matter. And if you take a look at the Ten Commandments, the first three have to do with loving God. And the last seven are all about how we love our neighbor. And these commandments teach us what kind of world God wants for us. Our God wants us to have a world in which we don't have to worry about the security of our person, our things, our relationships, or our reputations. A world where we all, out of love and reverence for God, commit to try to live in the way Jesus explained in Matthew 7, 12, in an even more concise summary of God's law, in which Jesus says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I think the most amazing thing about the Ten Commandments is that they show us how much God cares about how we treat each other. God shows us he is honored when we want honor one another. What a beautiful God we have. But taking these commands seriously starts, of course, with taking God seriously. We have to first believe and trust that he is God and that he is good to want to honor him with our lives. And we as Christians have the benefit of knowing God's heart through Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus did in submitting to death on the cross for our sin on Good Friday and in his victorious resurrection to new life on Easter Sunday morning, he did both of those, loving God and loving us. Because we needed him to. <laughs> because the truth is, as beautiful as these laws are meant to be, as beautiful as the results are meant to be for us, None of us live them consistently. God's plan for a trustworthy world gets messed up when we ourselves are less than trustworthy. When we don't treat our neighbor the way that we'd like to be treated, or we choose selfishness over love, things get broken, and people get broken. And we cry out to God for healing and help, and he answered in sending us a savior. Because Jesus shows us what true love looks like. Jesus said in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus' love for God, his Father, led him to so love us that he would lay down his life to set us free from the consequences of our sin and give us instead an eternally trustworthy world that can never be shaken through the consequences of his sacrificial love for us. What we could not fulfill in the law Jesus fulfilled for us by his grace. So knowing that Jesus sets us free from having to earn heaven by our perfect living of the law, what do these commandments mean for us now? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that Jesus' way is the way of God the Father. He didn't come to abolish the law when he came to fulfill it. 
So while our salvation no longer depends on us fulfilling the law, the laws still express God's good heart, that people redeemed by Jesus are still called to live loving God and loving neighbor because that's what he wants for our world. But now, free from fear, we can see this blessing that they're meant to be. We can see how they point to a God who loves us and loves our neighbor. And we can learn, both from our successes and our failures, about how the God who wants us to know this kind of trustworthy world in love chose not to abandon us when we could not build it by our own power. So what does the Lord want to do in us today? Well, last week and today, we're talking about our loving God commands. And as we move into the 40 days of Lent, starting this Ash Wednesday, we're going to be moving into the commands all about loving our neighbor. The commands we talked about last week were honoring God first and honoring the use of his name. Those are all about showing love and respect and reverence for God and the use of his name. And today's love God commandment is a little more specific around a practice. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I want you to notice the action words in that command. Remember, keep. So part of this Sabbath command is about what you intentionally call to mind. It's a command to remember him. And part of this command is showing what you value by what you intentionally and consistently practice. Keep. So what are we to remember and what are we to keep to show and grow in our love for God? Well, first, in Sabbathing, we are to remember him, to remember who he is. And as I was preparing for today, I started with Martin Luther's small catechism, which he wrote to help parents teach their kids. And his explanation centers around the remember aspect quite a bit. It has to do with not neglecting the teaching of the word, but gladly hearing and learning it. Luther's focus was on us prioritizing remembering God, learning who he is, so we can internalize his character and his word as his people in worship. And I think for most of us, this is what we think of first, too, when we think about keeping the Sabbath. But I can see why remember is on top of Luther's mind, because he was an educator, a preacher. He was a man who was intellectually hungry to learn and grow in the things of God. And to remember is a way of worshiping God with your mind. And that's important. We have to know who our God is in order to follow him. We have to be able to recognize his word and his heart at work in the world. But as important as worship and learning both are, there's actually more to this Sabbath command. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Keep it holy. What does that mean? Well, holy is a word that means set apart. To keep it holy is to set this day apart, to make it intentionally different than the other six days of the week, and to keep it that way each week. And what does God say should be different about it? Here's what the Lord says about the Sabbath in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then Leviticus 23 
There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. And then from Deuteronomy 5, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Do you hear that? Over and over again, rest, rest, rest. Honor the Lord your God with your intentional rest. The third commandment tells us that to our Lord, our rest is holy. To choose to rest is to remember that you are not a slave to anything or anyone. You are first and foremost God's precious child. And what he wants from you is to stop slaving to the world and its expectations for a day. So that in keeping this time set apart, you will remember weekly that you are loved and valued, not for what you accomplish, but just because you're his. There will come a day when you can no longer accomplish and produce the way that you once did. And on that day, will you know from a lifetime of Sabbaths that your value is unshakable, anchored not in you, but in him? We practice rest and restoration in God's presence because we need it to live generously in this world for the sake of others. When we're anchored, centered in God's blessing of rest, then we can help others too in this frantic world find their value in the love of the one who never changes. And even though we first think about remembering the Sabbath day and giving God our worship and our attention, In the scriptures about Sabbath, the emphasis is overwhelmingly on these parts where God says, on my Sabbath, stop your doing and be. And there's a reason for that. These things are very much connected. Because think about this in your own life. How often, when you are running around like a chicken with your head cut off, do you remember and deeply enter into an experience of God's love for you? Or realize how much God loves the people around you? How often do you, in the midst of your work, stop to invite the Lord into what you're doing or listen to what he wants to be doing in your life? Practicing the rhythm of once a week stopping the rat race to just be in God's presence, to listen to him, to remember whose you truly are, that you are loved as is. The intentionality of that practice changes the way we engage God and each other the other six days of the week. Remembering the Sabbath, keeping it holy, reminds us that we are more than our achieving. And that helps us to honestly and truly worship our God for all that he is. You see, our God knows that what most often keeps us from relationship with himself and with others is our frantic busyness. And he tells us to stop so those relationships don't become overshadowed. 
God knows that our fear, our anxiety, our worry, our need to win other people's approval can lead us to work ourselves ragged. And that's not in the model of his plan for a trustworthy world. In God's plan for society, everyone, and I mean everyone, has a day off once a week. No work, only rest, community, and remembering that our value is not in what we produce. God commands us to remember we are human beings, not human doings, and to keep a day of rest as holy and set apart. Our God is the reason that the weekend exists. <laughs> Who wouldn't love a God like that? But I think of all the Ten Commandments, this is the one that we forget is actually a command. It's just as much a command as thou shalt not kill, and just as necessary for our world. And we need God to command us to stop because we're so easily convinced by the world that we need to constantly do or everything's going to fall apart. But God's got this. And you are not giving yourself a break. God is telling you, this is how I want you to honor me. Stop. Be. Rest is your act of sacrificial worship. Keeping Sabbath reminds you you're not in charge. God is. That there is a Savior who came to pay the price for your salvation. There is a God who came in love for you. And he is your Lord. Not money, not achievement, not other people's good opinion. You have a Savior and you are his. So remember and keep and rest. There's a reason David wrote in Psalm 23 that the Lord is our good shepherd makes me to lie down in green pastures. There's a reason Jesus said to Martha, Mary has chosen the better to sit at my feet, to learn, to listen, to be. It's in our being willing to be still and know that he is God, that we become receptive to what he wants to create in us for the sake of the world the rest of the week. It's in the keeping of this practice, intentionally setting aside time to rest, that we develop the heart space to remember who he is and who we are and gladly hear and learn the word of the God who so loves us. And yet in our human brokenness, we can't seem to help ourselves from even turning our rest into work, don't we? It wasn't long before people started asking, well, since this is a command of God, are we resting right are we remembering correctly what is work exactly and what isn't it? We better figure it out so we make sure nothing that we're doing is technically work and so we're resting correctly. Sigh. <laughs> so human of us. So many times throughout history, true Sabbath rest has been destroyed by our own self-righteous work of trying to figure out how to rest right. And instead of being a day to look forward to, many people have experienced it as a day of getting yelled at for doing it wrong. And if that's been your experience in the past, I have to say you are in very good company because Jesus got yelled at on the Sabbath a lot. A lot. Jesus, the son of the living God, who was present at the moment of creation, present on that very first Sabbath that ever was, the word of God made flesh himself, got in trouble with the Jewish leaders more for Sabbath violations than almost anything else. Remember and rest, Jesus, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> One Sabbath day in Luke 6, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field, picking grain heads and snacking on them. Now, this is not anything anyone would call harvesting. 
This is an act that takes about the same amount of effort as opening a Doritos bag and lifting out a chip. But the Sabbath police cry out, work violation, farming on the Sabbath. How can you be from God? Don't you care about honoring him and rest? I don't remember the no snacking on the Sabbath rule in the Bible. <laughs> what is this about, really? What's going on in the heart here? Adventures and missing the point. And another Sabbath in Mark 3, while Jesus is in the synagogue to honor God, his Father, he sees a fellow worshiper who has a crippled hand. And knowing the Sabbath day is a day for God to bring us rest and restoration in his holy presence, Jesus invites the man to stretch out his crippled hand and in God's power restores him. And the officials cry, work violation, doctoring on the Sabbath. Jesus didn't even touch him. The man stretched out his own hand. There's no rule against that. Clearly, God is the one who heals, but do they celebrate God being present in his holiness in this moment to restore a beloved son to wholeness? No. They completely miss seeing God at work at all. They only see a human infraction. And scripture tells us Jesus was deeply distressed by their stubborn hearts. Which leads us to ask the question, are they are we remembering God? Are we letting God speak in the ways that we try to keep this day holy? Yet another Sabbath in Luke 13, Jesus again, gathering for worship, sees a woman whom Satan had bound for 18 years in the misery of a crooked back. And in God's power, Jesus brings her to restoration. And again, the legal authorities call foul. And this time, Jesus calls on their sense of reason. You don't stop giving your ox or donkey a drink of water on the Sabbath, right? They need that to live. Is it work then to do on the Sabbath that which brings life? Isn't restoration in God's presence what you understand this day to be set aside for? What's holier? What brings more remembrance of God's presence than for one of his children to be set free from crippling bondage on a day that's not about our doing but remembering his? What better day is there? to receive restoration and blessing from God's hand. And yet they miss it. And I think this is why Jesus tells us to see the law through the lens of loving God and loving neighbor. Because when we look through this lens, it opens us up to ask the question, God, what do you mean for me, for us, for the world in this? How are these boundaries that you put in place meant to bless us? And it shifts our focus from thou shalt not to the, so then what shall we do? Jesus shows us we so often miss the point of these commands. And Jesus remembering and keeping Sabbath resulted time and time again in God being glorified by people receiving restoration, not by earning restoration, receiving it in their holy rest. Why is this so hard for us that we need God to command it? Well, sometimes a mom has to lay a child down to take a nap when they don't want to. And she can see they are overtired and making themselves and everyone around them miserable. And sometimes it takes kicking and screaming before they will actually surrender to nap. But when they do, they find it was just what they needed. And sometimes we're the same way. I saw on the news the other day a report about how tantrums are up right now with all the stress of this year in kids of all ages and in adults. <laughs> and I totally feel it. I know I want a tantrum. <laughs> 
when everything is unfair and out of control and I've had it. We need more than ever to have our good shepherd make us to lie down in green pastures so we can actually stop and look around us enough to see that they actually are green. God knows us, and he knows what we need to be in relationship with himself and each other is to intentionally set aside time to stop. Remember him. Keep holy rest. But how you do that, though, is between you and the Lord. So first, ask yourself what best helps you remember the Lord? What helps you intentionally enter into his presence and hear him? Well, as a pastor, I can tell you for generations of Christians, gathering to worship God together is the most powerful way to do this because we remember best when we don't remember alone. We're made for community as well as for God. And we grow in our knowledge of him when we see him at work in other people's restoration too. As Leviticus said, it's a day of sacred assembly. And Jesus gathered with others to worship to demonstrate that for us. But maybe during this COVID season, that isn't possible for you. But there are still ways to intentionally commit to on your Sabbath, remember what helps you remember him, who he is to you who you are in him. And then secondly, what helps you keep holy rest? What can you do that will make your Sabbath day different, set apart from the other days of the week? What might that look like for you? Now, this really can't be legislated because my way of resting and unplugging might look very different from yours. In fact, the same thing that helps you enter into joyful rest might be the same thing I need to stop doing for me to truly rest. But you know what rest is to you. What helps you notice the green pastures? To see what the Lord has given you. To enjoy the people in your life. Sabbath practice is, in the ancient world, almost always involves spending intentional time with loved ones. That can be part of the restoration of rest. Jesus showed us what Sabbath is meant to be. A day for us to be healed of the crippling effects of our world's demands to produce and earn and achieve for our worth. To instead stretch out our hands to him and be healed. To be freed from the weight of the world that leaves us stooped. And to instead stand remembering and receiving the restorative power of the one who loves us. It's a day to come as you are. To drink from the fountain of his grace. To confess and be restored to gather in community and be filled. Sabbath rest is meant to be where we find wholeness in the God who first loved us. Remember him. Keep holy rest. So as we enter into Lent, beginning on Ash Wednesday this week, I'd like to challenge you to ask yourself to intentionally try some new Sabbathing practices between now and Easter, things that will help you to keep Sabbath well yourself, to create a day that's unlike any other day the rest of your week, to rest and be restored in his grace. Now, some of you might work on Sundays, so your Sabbath has to be a different day. Just choose a way that you will practice remembering him and keep holy rest one day a week from now until Easter as your way of showing love and obedience to the Lord and see what the Lord does in it for you. And just a word, it might take some work ahead of time to plan for a day of rest, just like you make plans to receive company or prepare for a date night. You might need to do some preparation the day before for you to be able to truly enter into what is restful for you. 
But when you do, be ready to receive what the Lord will do in that time of rest for you. Because Jesus showed us that he is a game changer. Because of his sacrificial love for us by his death and resurrection, Jesus made the Sabbath day not just a day of rest after creation, but the first day of a new creation, of God's redeeming and restoring work in you. And the love that he pours into us is meant to flow out in love for God and neighbor in the world the other six days of the week. So be still and know that he is God. And I think it's pretty fitting that today is Valentine's Day, that on this Sabbath and every Sabbath, we celebrate that God so loved us that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And on this Sabbath, like every Sabbath, the lover of our souls asks us again, will you be mine? And you can believe his love will never let you go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know our tendency to look at your commands, to look at your law, and to see them only as law. But Lord Jesus, you showed us in your grace for us the intention of these commands. Help us to see this command of love as a vehicle for the blessing that you want to give us, Lord. Help us to cooperate with your good heart so that we might be blessed by what you want to do in us. We pray that the world also may be blessed by what you do through us. Lord, teach us in this season ways that you personally and intentionally want to bless us in this time of intentional rest and remembering. We pray, Lord, that you would give us sweet times of relationship with you and with one another in this season. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.